Our priest is a dying man. The dying men, women, youth. And I will preach as though I will never preach again. So God, God has his reasons for why he saves us in stages. Sanctifies us slowly, makes us fill up every day at his pump. Lest we forget where the gas comes from. Welcome to Follow Me to Heaven, where God's word is truth and your questions matter. I'm your host, Jonathan Romero, and today we're going to be focusing on one verse. We're going to be on verse 6 of Colossians chapter 1. So let me go ahead and read Colossians chapter 1. We're going to start from verse 1, and we're going to read on all the way until the end of verse 14. And then we're going to go back to verse 6. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and the faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world, and it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you heard it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins." All right, so let's go back to verse 6. Verse 6, it says, Which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. So, we are in the middle of Paul's prayer. We're in the middle of Paul's prayer, and... Remember last time, last time we talked about him thanking God the Father, right? When we pray for you, it says, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints. So we talked about love for God and also love for neighbor. And here, our since God saved us, we put our faith in him 
we learn God's love toward us when we view the gospel, when we see what Christ has done for us. And then from there, we are able to extend this kind of love, this sacrificial love that we're called to do towards our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? So from there, then we get to verse 5, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, right? So that's one way Paul explains or describes the gospel. He explains it as the word of the truth, right? So that is one way Paul describes the gospel. Then he goes on, verse 6, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing. So let's, let's talk about that, right? So when one gets saved, they cannot contain their joy. They're zealous when it comes to this gospel that they were saved by, that God used through the preaching of this gospel. And now they cannot contain this joy and they zealously go out. They reach out to others with the truth of this gospel. It says, as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing, right? So this is what the gospel does. Um, it spreads because when one person gets saved, like I said, you cannot contain yourself and you have to tell someone else. And understanding um, our stance before we heard this gospel to where we are now. Paul is even in this prayer right at the beginning. We always thank God. Why? For their faith and their love for all the saints. So not only is it bearing fruit and increasing physically, right? More and more people are getting saved by the preaching of this gospel, uh, but spiritually as well, especially here um, in Colossae. We're seeing that it is bearing fruit and increasing. The gospel uh, truly bears fruit as people get saved. And the more people get saved, the more the gospel bears fruit and increases. You, you, you see what happens there. Um, more people learn this gospel. More people hear uh, the word of truth, as Paul says there, right? And it bears fruit meaning more people get saved. That is bearing fruit um, and it increasing. Um, the more people get saved, the more it increases, right? And it says, as it also does among you. So it is evident that the gospel bore fruit at Colossae uh, because of what Paul knows of what the believers are doing in Colossae. Right? They have put their trust in Christ and their love for one another. You see, this is what happens when we are preached this gospel. We learn this gospel. We learn what Christ has done for us. Right, Christ has entered his own creation. Right, He took upon himself sinful flesh, if you want to say that, right? 
He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf, so that we may become the righteousness of God. Our sins were imputed to Christ, and His righteousness was imputed to us. Right? This is what we know as the great exchange, what happened there. Um, is that Christ became our representative because he knew that we were dead in our sins. We were unable to um, make it to heaven um, because we know that the wages of sin is death, as it says in Romans, right? For the wages of sin is death. That means what is due to us because of our sin is death. That is our payment. That is what we deserve. Therefore, that's why later Paul also describes the gospel as the grace of God. But we'll later talk about that. Um, because first we must understand... Uh, this gospel that was preached to us, if it truly was preached to us, if you truly know the gospel, right? We must understand this gospel. Paul explains this gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. He says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, in accordance with the scriptures. That is a condensed version of uh, the gospel. Christ died for our sins. Right in Matthew, we are told that his name will be Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. There's a problem with us, and that is sin. We have sinned against the holy God, and because of that, there is a consequence of sinning against a holy God, right? God has a standard because he is good, but we fail to meet that standard because we are dead in our sins and trespasses, right? We're identified at, in the first Adam apart from Christ. But Christ is the last Adam, as scripture says. And because of that, he can represent us perfectly. He fulfilled the law, right? He's, Jesus said that he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Jesus said he has come to do his father's will, and he did it. It looked on the outside like it fell, Right? It looked like he failed. He was put on a cross, right? That was meant for sinners. That was meant for transgressors. Yet he was sinless. But that was going according to God's plan, right? This was God's initial plan from before the foundations of the world was laid. Jesus was to come into his own creation and save his people from their sins by dying on a cross. And from there, he was buried and on the third day rose from the grave, right? As Paul says 
according to the scriptures. Jesus fulfilled many prophecies because all these prophecies were pointing to Christ. And that's what we must understand. Um, the purpose of the Old Testament, it was pointing forward to this Messiah, right? As uh, you go on in time through these prophecies, it gets clearer and clearer as until we get to Christ. And Christ is the embodiment of uh, grace and truth, right? He is full of grace and truth. And he was the one who was able to fulfill the law perfectly, die on a cross as a sinless man, therefore being the perfect sacrifice for us so that now we can put our trust in him as we turn from our sin and we get saved through that. The Holy Spirit works within us, changes our hearts and moves us to want to come to Christ. So if you want to come to Christ, want to turn from your sin, you hate your sin now, right? We despise sin because we know what sin did to our Lord. So this is the gospel that Jesus or God took on flesh, right? He's the second per person of the Trinity. He died for us. He died for our sins. He was buried rose from the grave on the third day, thus locking in our salvation. That means we can look forward to and assure hope for our resurrection because Christ rose from the grave. He defeated death in a sense that we no longer have to fear death. If anything, what death is, is our escort to Christ. That's what death is. So now let's get back to verse six, Colossians chapter one, verse six. It says, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing, right? So, so another thing about in the whole world, right? We must understand what is being said there, right? Because obviously the gospel has not spread all the way around the world. And now every single person knows the gospel. That's not, is, that is not what is being said there. But what we do know is that in Acts chapter 2, let me read what it says in verses 1 through 6. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire, or as a fire, appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were all bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And then if you go on a little bit further on, uh, what were they doing? 
Well, they were speaking about the mighty works of God, right? Listen to what it says in verse 11. It says, both Jews and proselytes, uh, Cretans and Arabians, were, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? And then there were others that were mocking them and saying that they were filled with new wine. And then Paul, or Peter, I should say, Peter, um, it says, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And then he quotes the Old Testament. And he says, In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old, and your old men shall, see, shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you see the purpose of Pentecost. Um, the gospel was heard in their own language. And we see that all the nations were gathered in one place, as it says there. So when we read in context back in Colossians chapter 1, verse 6, right? When it says that the gospel has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, we know that the gospel um, reached to those people and now they have the gospel in their language. And even today, the gospel continues to spread and more and more people are coming to Christ and getting saved. It's the same means by which God saves his people. It's the same gospel that Paul preached is the same gospel that we preach today and people come to Christ. People get saved. So we must be reminded back to when we first was saved and we had this zeal to want to tell people what the Lord had just done to us. Um, which is why we need new believers in our lives always because it encourages us when we see the zeal of theirs, it encourages us to be reminded of what God has done for us, thus moving us to want to tell people and tell them the truth, the gospel, the grace of God, right? So if you go on in verse six, it says, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. So when, since, since the day, you heard it. And what did they hear? They 
heard the gospel preached and what, what happened there. Understood the grace of God and truth. And we know that it, that is only possible by the Holy Spirit. We know that the Holy Spirit is the one who enlightens us and helps us understand what this gospel means, right? Because an atheist um, can know the gospel yet not be changed. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has not given them the understanding of this grace of God in truth. Right? And the grace of God is another description of the gospel message. The grace of God, right? Um, I would mention the truth behind this, and that is... Uh, that the good news of God could be described as the grace of God. And that is fitting. And why is that? Because we are utterly undeserving of God's favor, of God's unmerited favor. Yet through Christ, this was made possible. Uh, this is a um, section that should bring us to our knees in worshiping God, praising God, forgiving us this gospel, right? Forgiving us understanding of this grace of God. Because even within these words, right? Uh, grace, what is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. Something given to you that you do not deserve, but is good. This is unmerited favor that is given. This is grace. And who's it coming from? It's coming from God, the creator of the universe, right? The one who spoke everything into existence. He is the source of this grace, this saving grace. And because of that, we understood because of the Holy Spirit, because one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit, he convicts us. He convicts us of our sins. He shows us how sinful we actually are, how sinful our sins are. And from understanding that, it moves us to want to repent, truly be sorry from the heart to God. And from there, turning to Christ and understanding that only he could save us, can save us, right? Listen to what Psalm 98.3 says. It says, He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Let me ask you the question, do you believe that? Do you believe that the Lord never forgets his steadfast love and his faithfulness. Right? We must understand this is God. Again, the creator of the universe, the one who spoke everything into existence, the one whom apart from him, we have no truth, right? All knowledge and wisdom is found in Christ. So apart from Christ, we have no basis upon to call anything true, right? That is why God gave us his word 
to help us understand what is truth. And upon this truth, God's word, Jesus says we are to be sanctified by. God wants us to know him more, know him better. And that is done through his word. And as that happens, our worship of him grows. And that is what God is after. God is after his glory. God is after his worship that is rightfully his. Right? The heavens declare the glory of God. Right? We know the angels. They worship God and they sing to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Right? Is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So us who are made in the image of God and now come to Christ in repentance and faith, shouldn't we be also joining in and worshiping God, glorying God? Um, I would say, yes, let's, let's focus on that. Let's focus on God as scripture tells us, as God tells us in his word that we are to set our eyes on the things above and not on the things below, not on anything that will pass away. But instead, he wants us uh, to seek the things that are from above. And scripture even tells us that all good things come from the father of lights. That's what it says in James. And I would say the grace of God. Um, this faith that was given to us. I would say this is good. Because then we understand our desperate need of saving. Right? If we tried to clean ourselves up before God. It does nothing because God is holy. God is not like us. God wants us to come to him in complete dependence on him. And I would say, if you have not come to Christ, if you have not believed in him in this way, in a way that causes you to want to repent from sins that causes you to repent from sin and put your faith in Christ and devote your life completely to him and even to the point of telling God do what you will with my life um, I would say do so because this is vitally important God has prepared a place uh, for those who have not turned from their sins. Um, and that is his righteous judgment. Hell is a real place that God will one day put everybody who has not turned away from their sin, who has not put their faith in his only son, Jesus Christ. I would say, put your faith in him and repent from your sins. Acknowledge your sins. Understand what sin does and put your faith in him. 
and scripture says that all of those who believe in him will be saved. This is Follow Me to Heaven with Jonathan Romero. Thank you.